we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. As you observe with attentive passion, that very attention puts an end to becoming, which is of time and thought. Hello and welcome to episode 199 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives. The aim is to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is Being and Becoming. Next week's episode, the last of season four, is Tradition. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK, which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of the South Downs National Park, the Krishnamurti Centre offers individual and group retreats for those wishing to inquire into themselves in light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit krishnamurticentre.org.uk for more information. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on being and becoming has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in Sanan, 1983, titled Most of Us Want to Become Something. Most of us want to become something. In the physical world, we want to be something, to become something. I'm just a clerk in a big office, in a corporation, and gradually I work up. If I'm good, capable, I become the manager. From the manager I step up more and more till I become the executive and the president. I have become, through time, to be the president. This is the physical process. Now we extend the same movement into the psychological realm. I am this, but I will become that. It is the same movement, it is not different. 
both require time. Time to become. Right? What is becoming? I can understand in this physical world, I can earn more money, better car, better house, better more pictures. If I have the money, I buy the Rembrandt or follow. I drink more, you know, the whole business of it. The modern culture. We mustn't go into the question of culture now, we'll do it another time. I become there something. And I extend the same that same movement into becoming something. One day I'll be enlightened. Right? Enlightened, become reach the highest principle, God, whatever you will call it, by righteous behaviour, step by step by step by step, I will become something. Right? That is the whole system of religious thought. Right? I go to the Guru, and the silly Guru teaches me. I'll one day become like him, and which means power. I'll have disciples. So follow all this very carefully. I'm telling my friend. So what is it that's becoming? Think it what it, when I say psychologically, I must. I'm. I'll gradually experience enlightenment and gradually build it up. What does that mean? Is there a becoming? Question that not that I should become something psychologically, but we must question if, if, if the, what is, is there anything to become? Myself, my experience, my memories, my projections of what I should be, which means I must have time for all this. So man has said that to become wise, enlightened, uh, become you know all that, you must have. It's a process, right? And we are saying quite the contrary. And I'm saying to my friend, that sounds nonsensical. You know the whole Buddhistic concept. You wouldn't know Buddhism. Doesn't matter. I'll just continue. The Buddha went through a series till he ultimately reached enlightenment, which I question. Is enlightenment, understanding, perception, matter of time? You understand? What is time? 
Time is a movement. Right? Time to go from here to your house, to your chalet, to your flat, whatever it is. To go to Montreux or Lausanne, whatever it is. It's a movement in time to cover the distance. Right? You need to have physical time to go from here to your house. That is time. <coughs> and to become something requires time. You have a set a goal for yourself. In the physical world, you have set a goal for yourself to become the manager. And you require time. And also you have set a goal to become something. Right? To become non-violent. Let's take that for example. Right? You are violent, my friend and I were saying we both we are perhaps you are not, but I may be, we are violent. And to be free from violence. Needs time. To become non-violent needs time. Right? We are questioning that, doubting that. I'm follow? You have to doubt this whole idea of becoming non-violent, which they have preached a great deal in India. The fact is violence. Right? I'm angry, I'm jealous, I'm furious, I hate somebody. Hmm? I want to be somebody more powerful. Hmm? That's a fact. But non-violence is non-fact. So what am I doing? Culti- pursuing, cultivating a non-fact. And to achieve non-fact requires time. See the absurdity of it. The second extract is from the second talk in Sanin, 1980, titled Becoming is the movement of thought. Even the greatest philosophers, the world specialists, the theoreticians, the people of the church and religion, they can never, under any circumstances, unless they are foolish, claim complete knowledge. And so, our thinking, which is the born out of knowledge, is limited. Right? There is no complete thinking. So, 
our actions then are limited. Our observations are limited as long as there is the functioning of thought. Right? If I observe you analytically, examining you analytically, then that analysis is the process of thought and therefore my observation and conclusion must be totally limited. Right? You are following this? It means a great sense of humility to observe. You understand, sir? Not, I know, I'll observe, but humility that is freedom from this of certainty to observe. I'll go into that presently. So, if thought is the origin of all this mess, and it looks like it, don't accept what I'm saying. Our misery, our this war, the division amongst people, the division of religions, the division of professions, the division of this whole becoming is the movement of thought. You do not know if you have observed how in the, in the physical world the man becomes a clerk or a priest or a foreman or a businessman and is climbing the ladder. <coughs> he is all the time becoming something physically. The parish priest becomes the bishop, the bishop becomes the cardinal, archbishop, and the archbishop, the cardinal, becomes the pope. It's the same pattern, physically repeated. <coughs> Psychologically, inwardly, we are doing the same, becoming something all the time. I am not this, but I will be that. I am not good, but I will be better. You so, this movement of becoming, please understand this. this, this feeling of becoming is the movement of thought in time, right? And that may be the origin of all this mess. Everyone is trying to become something. Understand physically to become something. It's rather competitive, cruel, destructive, but one can see what is happening. And not 
go into that game. But to see it psychologically is quite a different matter. You hear this, please observe, you hear this, that is, psychologically you are becoming something all the time. Conflict, 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 struggle, fight, push. And that may be the cause of this destructive world in which we live. Now, that becoming is the movement of thought. You following this? I compare myself with you psychologically. I say, how, how intelligent you are, how affectionate, how considerate, how this, that and the other. And I am attempting to become that. Comparison is the moment of thought. Right? Vabene. So, look, I've stated this. Now, what does the mind do when you hear this statement? It doesn't observe immediately what is happening in yourself, but hearing a statement of that kind, the mind makes an abstraction of it into an idea, and then you dispute about that idea. Whereas the actuality is different from the idea. The word suffering is different from the actual suffering. Right? Now, if you listen kindly to what he said, that the mind and heart and the brain, all one, they're all one really, have been conditioned through time, through culture, through religion. To become something. And in this becoming, there is competition, struggle, ruthlessness, violence, and so on. When you hear that, is it an actuality to you or an idea? You follow this? Is it an idea or a fact? Because it's very important to understand this. Because our minds is always functioning in ideas, not with facts. Psychologically, I'm talking about. Psychologically, it is the brain immediately makes the abstraction of a fact, which is called the ideal 
and so on, so on, so on. Whereas if you observe, the fact is more important than the idea. So, and you can deal with, with the fact, you can do something about the fact, but you cannot possibly do something about an idea, except create more contention, different opinions about ideas, and the ideologists and all the rest of it follow. But if you observe the fact, that is, the brain, the mind and the heart, it's all one. This mind is always trying to become something. That's a fact, not an idea. Now just go slowly. Is the fact different from you who are observing the fact? You understand all this? The fact is, each one of us, in different ways, are trying to become something. Not only in the outer world, but also psychologically, primarily. Psychologically, primarily, inwardly, affects the outer completely, not the other way around, which the communists try to assert. If you observe, it's the other way around. They had marvelous theories, the communists at one time, having no government, no army. No, everyone was equal, and look what is happening. So ideas are the most destructive, not facts. The fact is this, and we are saying, is that the cause of all this misery of man? which is, thought has built this structure, psychological structure, which is based on be something other than what is. Right? Are you following this, sir? So, if that is the cause, then is it possible to live in this world psychologically without becoming anything? Which doesn't mean that you are what you are. You understand? Because what are you? You are nothing but becoming. I wonder if you see that. I'm tired. Not tired. I'm putting so much into this. 
Do you understand this, sirs? That is, if you say, I don't become anything, what am I? Then I might be veg- become a vegetable, do nothing. But have you ever inquired, gone to this question of not becoming anything? Which means the total ending of comparison and imitation, conformity. Psychological, you follow? That is, if, I, if there is to be an end to the cause of this human global misery, and if that is the cause that each human being, right throughout the world, whether he is living in a small little village or in the most high, sophisticated thirtieth uh, floor, they are still following the same pattern set through millennia. And if that is the cause, it can be ended naturally. Then what is man? You follow? Is he just nothing? Follow this carefully. In becoming, are you something? You, you're following all this? Psychologically becoming something, you are nothing at the end of it. I wonder if you realize it. But, and we are afraid of that. So, if that is the cause and a cause of always an ending, and is this becoming the movement of thought? I want to know myself, self-knowledge. See the fallacy of this. Sorry. I want to know myself. And I begin to analyze, I begin to observe, I begin to question. The very observation, the very questioning, the very movement inwardly, as it were, is still the movement of becoming. Understood? I wonder if you see all this because this is really very, we're coming to something very basic things. So, any movement of the mind, not to become or to become, is the same. I wonder if you see this. 
ऐसा राइट टू बिकम इज द मूवमेंट ऑफ वॉट एंड से आई आई सी इट एंड आई मस्ट एंड इट एंड बिकम समथिंग एल्स is still the movement of thought in a, in a different direction right so can that movement of thoughts end is this all too abstract no no i don't deal in abstractions personally i have a horror for that so my mind the mind the human mind not my mind your mind the mind has followed this direction for centuries upon centuries encouraged by the priests by the philosophers by the learned people to know more 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 not only about yourself but outside and if when somebody comes and says look what you're doing then the idea that you must know yourself is to pursue that path which is again to learn about yourself so has to become something or to become nothing so it's a, it is the same movement in both directions so the question is can that movement end you understand sir hmm? come with me are you because if it is thought is the cause of all this misery then can thought not move in any direction The third extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in San Francisco, 1984, titled "Attention Puts an End to Becoming." And it's important to understand not only fear, but time as the factor or the root of fear. Time. as yesterday time as today time as tomorrow sun rising sun setting light and darkness time not only by the watch chronological time but also time which thought has invented psychologically that is that you will be tomorrow different from what you are today 
If you are violent today, pursue. The very idea of pursuit implies time. Pursue, pursue the state in which violence doesn't exist. So, in our life, time is very important. From here to there, from point to point, externally, from being ignorant to becoming knowledgeable, from being a little man to a to a well-known man and all the rest of that business, outwardly. But also, psychologically, there is this time, which is the becoming. I am this, imperfect, violent, with all the travail of life, and one day I'll be free of it all. That is tomorrow or ten years later, when I will understand more. So time, both outwardly and inwardly, is a factor of our life. Is that the major cause of fear, time? Please. We are together investigating into this matter, not accepting, questioning, doubting what the speaker is saying. One is afraid of tomorrow. You may lose the job, there is so much unemployment, outwardly. Inwardly, I want one seeks security, some ground on which one can stand firmly, to be certain where there is confusion. And most of us are confused, uncertain, psychologically. And through this confusion, we try to establish either a concept which will give us security, or in our relationship with each other. All that process is becoming. Becoming, the very word becoming implies time. Is time, we are asking, one of the major factors of fear. Obviously it is. I am afraid, one is afraid of dying. Perhaps when one is ninety or hundred, or something might happen to you. You might not succeed, you might be a failure, and so on. So time, essentially, deeply, is one of the factors of fear. And time is also 
if you go into it rather deeply, if you will, what is time? Not by the watch or the time of becoming. What exactly is time? The present, the now, as you are sitting there, you are here, the present, in this hall, listening. The now. What is that now? Doesn't the now, the present, contain the past, all the memories and so on, and also the future? I hope you are following each other. So, the now contains all time, the past, the future and the present. And the now, if there is no fundamental psychological change or mutation, the future is what we are now. Surely that's clear. The word mutation biologically is a rather difficult word but we'll use it for convenience, which is really deep psychological change, radical psychological revolution. Time we are used to as evolution. We have evolved from the past, forty, fifty or more years, thousand years, and we have arrived at this stage through long distance of time. And we have very little, we have changed very, very, very little psychologically. We are very primitive, barbarous. I mean, we are using the word barbarous in its original sense. And time has not changed man. Biologically, time has changed man from the ape to now. But time, which is evolution, has not brought in the psyche a total, complete change, ending of all the pain, the anxiety, fears and sorrows and all that. Time has not changed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, one agrees with that baby. 
She's rather bored. Please, this is very important to understand, not just brush it off as some philosophical concept and push it aside. Because the now contains all time. The now is all your memories that we have accumulated during the past 50, 80, 90 years. The now is also the future, because you are going to continue with your memories, with your images, with your selfishness, with all that human beings have gathered. So, Time becomes the enemy of man if there is no radical change now. That is, if you you rely on time. And it's not also time, thought. It's not the root of fear, also thought. I am this, I might be that, or I might fail. We talked about it yesterday, together about the beginning of thought, how it arises through memory. Memory is the accumulated knowledge. Knowledge is expensive, and so on, and knowledge can be, there can be no knowledge unless there is experience. So knowledge, experience, knowledge is limited, as experiences are, whether you have experience of God or this or that, and knowledge so is limited, so thought is limited. And thought, as we said, is a material process. And so thought of losing something, gaining something, the thought of becoming something. So thought is a movement, like time. So thought, time, is the root of fear. That's a fact, irrevocable fact, actuality. One really sees that. And one asks, is it possible to end all fear, which is uproot the nature of time and so end time, please listen to it, and also end of thought, because those two factors, or one factor, which is time-thought, is the root of fear. 
If you, if you, if my friend asks, can that, can thought, time end? That seems rather absurd. I have to go to the office tomorrow, being Monday. I have to think. I have to write a letter to, and to do anything I have to think. How can thinking stop? All time stop, which are both the same. I one says to the friend, you're putting a wrong question. Time and thought are necessary at certain level. At the physical level, time and thought are necessary. We have to go back from where we started. We have to learn, we have to accumulate knowledge in order to do anything skillfully. The accumulation of knowledge requires time. To learn a language requires time. So time, thought are necessary at the physical level. But at the psycholo- in the psychological area, is time and thought necessary at all? Is there, put it differently, a becoming, psychological becoming at all? We have said there is. That is, we have evolved. from the ape to now. Biologically, we have evolved. So, there must be psychological evolution. I am this, I will be that. We are questioning that very thing. Is there psychological becoming at all? Which implies time. And time is, is the now, in which the past, the present and the future is held, contains. Unless there is a radical change in the whole psychological content, which is the content of consciousness. You will be the same tomorrow. That again is a fact. So, knowing, observing all this very closely, attentively, with all your passion and energy, that very attention puts an end to that becoming, then there is an ending. It's very important, if we have time to understand the nature of ending, 
do not know. If you ever asked yourself, what is ending, coming to an end? Not a continuity after ending, because we are so concerned with continuity. That's the form of tradition, form of various forms of political structure, organizations and so on. You know, it's really a very complex problem, this I don't know if we should go into it now, but you should, if one may suggest, you should ask yourself, what is ending? So, if one is aware, attentive to this whole process of time, thought, which is the root of fear, observe it, don't run away from it, live with it. (coughs) Hold this thing in your hand, as it were. It's like a precious jewel which you hold, and you are looking at it, observing it, which means giving your attention as you observe with this attentive passion, that very attention puts an end psychologically to this becoming which is of time and thought. The final extract in this episode is from the sixth talk in Madras, 1982, titled In Meditation There is No Becoming or Being. I want to meditate, and I see my thoughts wandering all over the place. Then I say to myself, I must control my thoughts. Who is the controller? It is still thought, isn't it? Who has a separated himself, calling himself the controller, and thoughts which are wandering by? So, the, in meditation, there is no controller at all, only pure observation. Right? That is, to observe without any direction, without any motive, pure observation of the light of an evening on a river, or the light of the moon on the ocean or the light of a face in the face of a nice person, to observe, so that that pure observation is, has nothing personal, nothing individual. It is pure seeing. If, when there is such perception, there is no need for controlling. You are 
I wonder if you see this. Because all our life there is always a controller, do this, don't do that. Right? This is right, this is wrong. I must control my passions, I must control my lusts, I must control my thoughts. But the, this is a very dangerous thing if you do not understand what the speaker is saying. One can live a life without one effort of control. Because then, when you perceive directly, there is no need for control. When you perceive that your systems of meditation have no meaning, that very perception ends the system. You don't have to struggle against the systems. You understand? Are we meeting something together in this? Right. So there is no concentration. Concentration is the controller trying to concentrate. So in meditation there is no controller. Do you understand the significance of this? Which means there is no conflict. Because all our life is conflict. And we think by meditating we shall end conflict. Or by meditating we shall bring about order in our life, which is the other way around. So, concentration is a form of resistance. Right? I want to concentrate on a certain page, on a picture, on an idea, and other thoughts come seeping in. So I have to force myself to concentrate on that, on one particular thing. So there must be resistance. Whereas attention has no resistance, which is to attend with total awareness of things about you. Where there is attention, there is no center as the me. Whereas there is in concentration, there is always the center is the me. See, do we? So, are we together in this, or are you just looking at the speaker? So, meditation. is a state of mind that demands absolute accuracy, absolute integrity, that when you say something you mean it, 
And we explain, we went to that question of integrity yesterday. That is to be. To have a mind that is not acting to further reactions, this ebb and flow of action and reaction. It's when that ebb and flow of action and reaction stops, there is total integrity. And when there is this quality of attention in which there is no personal attempt to become something. I wonder if you understand this. In our daily life we are always becoming something. If I am a clerk I want to become the manager, if I am the manager I want to be the executive top boss and so on and so on. In politics, in religion, if I am a disciple I will eventually become the guru. If I am the guru, then I I want to become the top guru. You know, this everlasting attempt to be, to become something. In meditation there is no becoming, nor being. But when there is order, this intelligence of compassion, then the mind, the whole brain becomes astonishingly quiet. That is, silence can only be when there is space. Space is not only the distance from here to your home, but the space that thought has created is not space. Space requires tremendous sense of the ending of the self, totally. We have very little space in our minds. We can invent space, we can think about space, but the actuality having vast space because silence of the mind is limitless space. Because in that silence there is no centre which says, I am silent. You are following all this. And as man has sought something beyond himself, something holy, something sacred, which is not 
the invention of thought. You see, none of the things that have been created in the churches, in the temples, in the mosques, there's nothing sacred there. But when there is this quality of absolute silence and space, there is that which is not measurable by words. And this is meditation. And out of in that meditation there is something totally utterly sacred which can never be put into words. And that is not an experience, because there is no experience to experience. I wonder if you understand all this. There is only that which is immeasurable, nameless, and which cannot be put into words at any time. And our life, our daily life, if one has comprehended all this, is totally transformed. This is meditation. 